Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Sonic Talk, episode 679, recording today on, what is it, August the 4th, the 4th of August. May the 4th be with, well, it's not May at all, is it? Anyway, you know what I'm saying. This is a music technology podcast. We talk about all things to do with production, uh, instrumentation, uh, mixing, uh, software, synthesizers, electronic music, all of that kind of stuff, performance, anything that kind of takes our fancy within the whole sphere of the music realm. Uh, so uh, do join us. Uh, we've Obviously, you're watching this on YouTube. We stream this live on YouTube every day, uh, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Uh, Twitch and also on uh, Facebook Live. Uh, in fact, uh, we've also got a Patreon uh, where you can see the pre-show and we also post all our videos up there with uh, out any ads so you can watch up there. There's also audio stems and patches and exclusive video content. So if you want to join us, uh, just head up there to patreon.com forward slash Sonic State and uh, we will... Uh, We'll be happy to accommodate you. Uh, we're also on Discord and all these other places. Uh, you can find the audio podcast on uh, uh, the Amazon device, uh, the Google device, Spotify, iTunes, everywhere that uh, that you need to. So uh, I want to say thank you very much. Also, before I get, um, I get into introducing our guests, no show next week because uh, I'm going to be away. Uh, I'm going camping, or not camping, sort of glamping. I'm not exactly sure it is. I'm, I think basically it's a glorified pig shed with a couple of beds in it. Uh, for four nights in uh, in Cornwall, so I'm looking forward to getting away. But uh, thank you very much uh, for bearing with me. We may have a pre-record there. I, uh, I'm filming something tomorrow, and we'll see how it turns out. But uh, that will be that. Anyway, so let's say hello to our guests. So we'll start with Mr. Yoad Nevo, who's over there in, in uh, Nevo Sound in his studios in London. How are you, Yoad? You well? I'm very well, thanks. Excellent. Glad to yep. be here as always. Yoad, of course, is a producer, engineer, songwriter, uh, gosh, many, many, also developer for Waves. In fact, if you haven't already seen, uh, should, you should definitely check out the Sonic 001 album uh, on Bandcamp, which has a track by uh, Yoad Nevo and uh, Nina Smith, Waiting For You, which uh, we all agree is a good one. And also uh, there's one from our other guest, Dominic. Um, uh, but I will get onto that in a sec. So... Uh, you were saying in the in the pre-show that you were uh, setting up your Atmos system, so you're nearly there. How long? It sounds like quite a lot of work to get it set up, right? It's it's a, it's quite a lengthy process um, because I had to to drill in the concrete without disturbing the all the acoustics, the oh, kind of hung ceiling and all that. Uh, so that was one thing, and uh, and the other thing is to yeah to calibrate the speakers and the angles and uh, the sweet spot and the cones and all that. So uh, yeah, but uh, but I know this room so well, and the speakers are actually really good. So um, although I'm used to the ATCs and the Proax as near fields, but uh, so the the Genelex are going to replace the Proax. And uh, the quested I used to have, uh, and um, you know, they they sound really. At the moment, I have the LCR installed already, and they sound amazing. What are you? What uh, what are you going for? Are you going for the small smaller ones? Uh, it's eighty forty B. It's eighty forty B, and the satellites are eighty thirty C. So the eighty forty B is quite. Uh, you know, for yeah, it's very powerful. It has a really good, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, they're, the, they're, they're like the, the ones I've got 10, uh, oh, 10, 20s. I can't even remember what these are, but they're very old. They're the square ones. The, and the it's, generation before they rounded them off. Kind of. I think that the, the equivalent used to be the 10, yeah, the 1030. Maybe that's uh, or maybe the 1031. I think that was that's the equivalent to the 8040, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but it's a formidable speaker. You know, they're really heavy and they're really sturdy and uh, they sound great. So, nice. Uh, yeah. Nice. Well, I look forward to. I, I might, one, maybe one day I can come up and listen to to it because I haven't really experienced Atomos and I would like to experience in your room because I know pretty much it's going to be bang on. Yeah, that'll be great. We can go again to the to the Eagle. Yeah. Well, I'm actually coming up towards the end of August, so maybe I can uh, we can arrange. Yeah, you uh, can something. shout. Definitely. All right, will do. Uh, anyway, um, thanks for joining us. We also have Mr. Dominic Hawken there, who's uh, in uh, his studios, his home studios, with the lovely Matrix brute behind him. Uh, Mr. Wiggly, of course, uh, maker of fine plugins. If you can, if you check out the uh, URL in his lower third. Also, you've been doing a bunch of uh, live streams yourself and lots of guests. I have Mr. Kent Spong on. You got another one for this Sunday? Yes, we've got Jen Jennifer Stevenson. I'm trying to find people who aren't particularly well known and, and normal people like like myself to come on and, and just talk about anything really. Um, but we've had the odd superstar on as well with um, with Kent Spong. I would class him in the superstar category just because he seems to know everyone in the industry and uh, he, he he repairs since. If anyone's not aware, of yeah, that he's the man. Chat. He just he's the man. If you spend twenty thousand pounds on a Jupiter Eight or whatever, then Kent will be the person that everyone will recommend that uh, gets inside and. Uh, checks it out for you um so he was great so sunday sunday live stream at 7 p.m and i've just started putting up some more recorded streams as well with my new sp404 i've been playing with um but yeah if you fancy joining uh, kent ended up in a in a uh, darth vader costume uh, okay. answering answering quiz questions from my nine-year-old daughter like what's the name of my elephant and what's your favorite hat so it's, it's worth a watch jennifer's amazing though she's only been uh, kind of into I suppose electronic music a few years and she's already been booked for gigs and stuff which got kiboshed by um covid yeah. but it'd be really interesting to find out how how she's, she's kind of jump-started her career and uh, it'd be really interesting to find out about that so and also if anyone's watching that wants to come on and just talk about their favorite synth or anything really just drop me a line at mrwiggly.co.uk and come on we don't uh, you know we'll, we'll take anyone and then i have a book up more than a week <laughs> in advance so come and, come and have a chat Excellent. Well, thank you very much for that. Uh, so uh, traditionally, it's the summer. You know, we don't get a lot of news. There is a bit, but uh, it gives us the opportunity to sort of have a bit more long-form discussion and a bit more sort of free-form. Not that most of our things aren't already pretty free-form anyway, but uh, let's uh, let's start with uh, this one I liked. This is uh, from a chap called uh, One Cut Coin, and it was posted by Midiera. I'd never even heard of this. This is the... Now, what is it? It's called... I'm the MIDI file boombox. The MIDI file boombox. It's the it Yamaha MDP1, MDP10 player. So you put a floppy disk in. I think this is playing the theme from Doom by Mick Gordon. So, ready? It's going to start going in a minute. <laughs> Tracks. I mean, you know, where this, but this, this just illustrates for me how amazing MIDI is and how many uses it will, it has had and continues to have even these days. I mean, I'm using it all the time. Anyway, I, I mean, it was a bit of fun, but it actually, the interesting part really was, was kind of, you know, the, I've never seen one of these, but just the amount of 
applications this had. I'm trying to think of any other technology that's specifically to, to music tech that has such longevity and, and so many purposes. But perhaps, uh, I don't know, Yoad, I'm sure, I mean, you know, I know you're Mr. MIDI. You love MIDI like me. I don't know. Have you started thinking about upgrading to OSC and all of the things that that provides yet? Or are you still very much in the, uh, the MIDI vibe? Um, and have you got any any MIDI um, MIDI players, general MIDI players? <laughs> uh, you know, actually, I used to. I, I know a guy who used to listen to classical music as MIDI files through his Kawaii um, keyboard for his pleasure. Wow. <laughs> so uh, it can. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it can, you know, it can, those MIDI files, I mean, I think that no matter where technology, how technology will advance, they will still use the same kick drum, the same RX-11 kick drums on all MIDI file, um, you know, sound generators. It's amazing how no matter what you hear, it's that... Uh, it's, oh, that's it. What you think about that, the, the longevity of an of, of, of an auto assigned general MIDI voice? That's a really interesting idea. So it, mm. you could follow it right through the from the very beginning when it was first embedded on the Yamaha chips. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, you can you can actually store the meta the metadata for the within the MIDI file. I guess it's not too complicated to even do if you have the right player uh, that can accept this information that you can. Uh, transmit uh, you can store parameters or each actually the the, the very sound itself uh, and presets and stuff like that well it'd be i get yeah, it'd be middle uh, midi sample stump standard wouldn't it it would be i'd imagine uh which as we oh, know oh yeah i remember i remember that yeah SDS. Uh, which, well people still use that i mean it's still used no in uh, yeah, no, it's still used to, to uh, in some form. Uh, to to I'm, there was something I was using it on recently, which where it basically said it, I think the Novation um, uh, uh, circuit tracks, you know, d moving samples up and down to that via the web interface is all done via the MIDI sample dump standard, which is hard to. Believe. Yeah, well, as long as long as you don't count on the the speed of transmission of actual MIDI through MIDI cables, which uh, I remember uh, uploading and downloading oh stuff um, from the, to the Atari. It, it just used to take forever to translate, to transfer like one sample from the S1000 or something like that. It used to take ages. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there was a, wasn't there was there was a Steinberg uh, sample editor, wasn't there? Yeah, Avalon. Avalon. That's right. I remember doing that, that once. Was I was in a studio. Album. I was in a studio. I can't remember what it was. It was a residential studio, and we decided we want to mess around with the kick. And I started the sample dump sending to whatever it was. I mean, it was probably an S three thirty or something, and. Uh, we had to go and have supper, and it was only a bass drum. <laughs> <laughs> it was... Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I would say it's slightly, it's slightly slower than Splice. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, Splice. Yeah. Oh, the one John, thing. What, um, what do you think? Yeah, do you, general MIDI. Uh, there are there are some fond there are some fond moments. Yeah. Well, just quickly on the sample. The first thing I wrote was for Akai, which was they brought out an SO one, which is a very simple sampler with kind of one big long sample that you could chop up and and i wrote an editor for that on the atari which squirted this the big long sample backwards and forwards through midi and it was i think it had about mega memory or something and it was fine and it used it used it okay um and it got, allowed you to edit and stuff and avalon was just like the ultimate version of that i remember but yeah midi's i mean midi's the thing the general midi standard 
I think could be revived because you've got MIDI, which is ubiquitous. General MIDI basically mapped out 128 sounds across 128 patches. So you're guaranteed to have, you know, a piano on one and an electric piano on two or whatever that mapping is, including a whole set of drums, you know, where the kick drum is and the snare drum. Mm. But the sounds don't need to stay the same. They just have to be replaced. So I reckon if you use some really funky big sounds and some proper, you know, proper big memory, you know, a nice big sort of 16 meg piano or, or 16 gig piano or however you want to go, and then start listening to some of these mini found sound files, I think it, it could be quite interesting. Maybe. I've got an it's idea for a product it. there, Dom. That it's the uh, hey. the general MIDI revoicer. Yes. Exactly. Because I, I, exactly. Well, I was—I said I was looking at the M1, uh, the M1 Mac, because I—I'd I, sort of started a little musical sketch, and I thought, oh, am I going to be able to finish this? And I need something to kind of demonstrate the power of some of these Yuhi uh, plugins. Mm. So I thought, I oh, know, I'll go and download some MIDI files that are of classical compositions. What could be? What what could possibly go wrong? I, I mean, the, the, and I went to various sites and I did that, and I downloaded and I just dropped that. I loaded them into uh, um, Logic, and they came up, and it basically looked because this was a fresh install. Logic sort of said, "Oh, I need to go and get some content for you know because you've got a string." Track. Right. So already, you know, there is Apple are already uh, uh, participating in this concept of general MIDI substitution. So yeah. Their sounds. Yeah. And I guess many doors DIW do, do the exactly. Same thing. And you can you should have the Spitfire Lab sounds. For all the strings, you can have you know some real kick-ass live drum sounds in there, and literally you could build an enormous memory-wise general MIDI standard as as a as a basis. And then I think probably the orchestral ones will be the ones that work best, to be honest, because anything with drums could be so diverse for anything from a trap thing to a rock thing to a whatever. But generally, with the, with the MIDI uh, stuff for orchestra, you'd kind of know what the violins and stuff should sound like. Yeah, it's, it's called try, anyway. oboe and it's legato. Yeah, then exactly. It needs to be and it's always in the right, voice, in the same yeah. place. Yeah. The only other things I could think of now, I mean, the obvious one is digital audio, right? I mean, in terms of, of changing the industry and knocking it on its head, the minute someone started you know, breaking audio files up into tiny little slices, um, then all of a sudden it, 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 it just exploded and you could do so much more stuff with it. So for me, that was when the Akai samplers came out. Mm. Um, but obviously Fairlights were out there before that. And you know, to, to me, that that's a, that was the, the other game changer. I've got an echo going on. I don't know if uh, Yoad's turned up his monitors somewhere. I'm not sure. Um, Maybe it's an Atmos. It's an Atmos echo. I don't know. <laughs> it's one of his Genelex kicking off in the background. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so you know, when when GarageBand started auto tuning and and time stretching stuff automatically, and kind of I lost all the work with going around with my AKS one thousand, having to doing it with knobs and dials. That was a bit of a game changer. That you could just drag a sample into something, and suddenly it would be at the right pitch and the right mm. timing, and so on. That's that's that was equivalent to MIDI, I think, to me in terms of a game changer. Well, I, I we wonder. I wonder also, that. like you said, the slicing. I mean, not, Rex files sort of stuff yeah. because that spawned the Spectrosonic Stylus RMX and other flavors. You know, auto slicing and many things that you could create yeah. your own. So I suppose that I'm just wondering if you know that sort of level of longevity. I mean, it's kind of maybe General MIDI was actually will even though it's called MIDI. You know, that that voicing mm. standard will outlive the actual. <laughs> it will go on yeah, even further probably. because there will be. There, yeah. There's nothing in history like that's 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 remained like midi as far as i'm aware as this long unchanged fundamentally working as well as it did when it started you know clearly it's not great for transferring samples over and stuff but they really didn't have to change the format they got it right um I can't think of it. I did rack my brains and I can't think of anything that in any industry that's lasted this long 
and been so helpful and so useful and been able to be kind of ported onto USB and stuff. It's, it's an amazing, amazing thing for those guys to have not only come up with the format, but come up with the standard for actually connecting this thing together because they've got little, it's, it, it, it's got little light pipes in there. You know, there's a little, uh, like an LED inside the MIDI device that, that disconnects the MIDI cable between keyboards so you don't get any earth hums. You know, it's an opto, it's an opto isolator. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, that's like probably, yeah, that's probably why there's, why the uh, we've got issues with the speed because obviously that there's only a set. Well, that doesn't help. Brief, but it's the cadence, it's not, I suppose, of the, the light opening. Exactly. And, and, and there's a limit to the length of the cables, but you don't hear anyone complaining of earth loops via MIDI cables, but you do with USB and mains and everything else, you know. So to be that forward thinking back then, it's just, just amazing. Really, really yeah. good. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't, I can't it. think. Uh, anything else you can think of that's had that sort of level? Of, I can't. Um, think. Yeah, just to say that uh, I I agree with with what Don says, but we have to remember that the, the the bandwidth that a USB cable has to to deal with is thousands of thousands uh, of times more um, than a MIDI cable, and mm. therefore the, it's it's much more bound to to suffer from from earth and from ground uh, and oh, uh, does, rf does, yeah. signals you know so uh if you you know there, there's so much going on in a usb cable and and the pairs and this and the you know uh, midi is quite yeah it's quite simple it's just three pins three wires that uh transmit so much stuff like csx and uh, and all mm. that it's yeah it's a, it's a very it's a remarkable format I suppose Absolutely. we could argue that actually TCP, Ethernet, tra Internet transport is probably as influential and as long as, as a similar longevity. So maybe, you know, there's, you could yeah. argue that that probably, but again, it's a, it's a transport protocol, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting that that's the, that's the kind of measure. TCP/IP has a. Um, this is another going to be another geek one if we're on, isn't it? It has a it <laughs> has a checksum. So so when you send a, a bit of information via TCP/IP, it waits to make sure it's been retrieved, received correctly. So it's it's slower. UDP, which is the other way, just is like MIDI. It just sends a data. If you've missed it, it's not going to send it again. So TCP/IP is more reliable, slightly slower. MIDI and UDP are literally. Are you listening? Because I'm sending. Here it comes. You know, enjoy it's the hose pipe effect. So for yeah, anything that, useful, new, sorry, new ninja, uh, GNU, GNU ninja. God, that's hard to say. In the chat room, says General MIDI was demoted. It's now Lance Corporal MIDI, which I thought was a great game. Wait a minute, where did that come from? <laughs> sorry, I just why remembered. Haven't I, I had why a haven't I got one of those? <laughs> what's what's going on there? Wait, wait a minute. I forgot my, my button's still wired up from Sunday. So, yeah, you've got a badum tish. Have you got that? So, have you, hold on, have you got an SP404 on that? Is that what's going uh, on? No, it's a stream deck and it comes with the stream deck. So, you know, those buttons, you can wire them up to sound effects that come straight out. So, yeah, oh, wow. you don't want to hear them all. But, yeah, it's uh, uh, we do okay. this quiz. So, I've got. Stop a, a, everything. A... I need to, I need, what I need to do now is completely update and rework the production system. Because we used to have, remember, we used to have the tumbleweed whenever there was a, 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 oh, an, yes. an uncomfortable yes. silence or I'd maybe introduce a topic that yes. nobody had anything to say on, which uh, the, 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 <laughs> the, uh, uh, the most excellent Howard Scar actually designed, did the sound design for that. I must take that out somewhere. I mean, fortunately, oh. we don't need it so much these days, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> Which is <laughs> no tumbleweed. Badum Tish, though, definitely, <laughs> definitely something that. Yeah, needs to you be. can get your stream deck and you can have it switch your camera angles. Um, so I don't, I don't think I've. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can okay. switch mine, obviously. But also you can add things. So I've got a and an elephant. 
which is all you really need for a live show, to be honest. I would say so. I, I would think, yeah, a hooter of some sort. Anyway, that's uh, that's that's rather irrelevant. But uh, let's let's just uh, let, let's break up the merit the the, uh, the, the mirth with uh, a message from our friends over at uh, Modal Electronics. Yep, the good old Cobalt 8 uh, recently had a new firmware update. This is innovative 8-voice uh, extended virtual analog synth in a beautiful blue uh, oscillator with, I think, more 36, 38, 39 algorithms now, morphable 4-pole ladder filter, 29 endless encoders for real-time control, internal sequencer and arpeggiator, great MPE support for expression, a modal app for Mac, Windows, iOS, Android, and VST3, AU, lots of patches available if you want to find out more go to bit.ly slash get underscore modal. We thank them for their support of the show. Much appreciated. Right. Um, okay. Well, the MIDI file boot box was great fun. Um, so, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll stick with that. And also, uh, the other thing was um, MTV just turned 40. This was on uh, CDM. And the first two hours of MTV was any... I'm, I'm, I'll play enough of it so that we don't get... Uh, um, Busted, but uh, this is so the very first hour. Some obviously somebody recorded this on a video, so we'll just uh, here it comes. I don't know if we're gonna have a 20 seconds. This is how they did it. But this another piece of technology and formatting that changed kind of changed the industry very much so. But uh, and a good old 4 3 there. Nine, so eight, seven, let's see. Six, I'll pause five, that in a sec. Four. We've gone for main engine start. We have main engine start. What's the first one? The first video that was on, and I didn't realize. I thought it was. Uh, uh, and gentlemen, dire straits. Yeah, money for nothing or something. But it's not. Yeah. It is. Come on. I thought this was going to be over quicker. It's about now, I think. Okay. <laughs> oh, bloody hell. By the They're way, milking the intro. To the, to the elephant sample that Here Tom used. <laughs> so, it was, in fact, Video Called the Radio Star was the first one, which it can't, I suppose is very apt. MTV, though, I don't know. I, I don't know about you, Dom. I was on, I went and did an MTV uh, shoot somewhere in London. I think we were interviewed for something back when I was in a sort of uh, popular beat combo. And I just <laughs> remember it being like the pinnacle. It was like, it was so exciting because it was like the biggest deal ever, you know, because it was global, really, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. even though we were probably only being, you know, going to a few people that was, made such a massive difference to the whole of the pop industry having that level of platform i suppose in many ways it was uh it was kind of like um uh, what streaming has done for you know in terms of change i don't know if it's necessarily made things better that's uh, arguable but and one could argue maybe mtv wasn't either but uh, i don't know were you ever on mtv did you ever i mean your videos no been, but did you ever make it kind of backstage yeah no my, my voice has been on it and, and i've been around when things were going on i mean it was so exciting you can't imagine when you've really i think back then you got maybe three channels i don't know if channel four was out was it 81 that it came out so I mean, all of a sudden, everything was 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 kind of bright and shiny, and and 
and kind of pop video and this thing because it was global as well just felt exciting and and completely changed the music industry so suddenly all your artist advances were being spent on on shiny videos but there was i mean it also coincided with um the kind of duran durans and the, and the stylish pop coming through and probably contributed it contributed to it a lot yeah. um but yeah the, the, it, it, of the image you know yeah yeah exactly the image became everything and they really did spend stupid amounts of money so i know artists working at the time going you spent how much on on a video you know that's ultimately it's their money being spent i remember talking to the guys from massive attack and they were saying we've 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 stopped all the videos we're not interested you know we've made one for unfinished sympathy um but we're you know we're doing it with one camera shots and stuff because we've we're getting these budgets that are just ridiculous and they were really astute guys actually and have remained to to be obviously till this day that they were like going you know we don't want to be spending our money on shiny pop videos that everyone gets excited about well they did um, one we for te- wanna... they did one they did teardrop and they did the one with, uh they have done other big ones they have yeah subsequently they have but this was really early on and um, right. you know they were they were it was it was almost like you, you don't want a video you know the anti kind of thing and i'm sure they made the, the cash later to make them properly but they were they were the, i just remember them sitting there kind of like oh, i can't believe we're going to spend this amount of money but it was it was a, a a real game changer and it's interesting what kind of um survived looking good video killed the radio star is still a great song but that video actually looks all right and yeah, it's um, really really in, in, uh, interestingly done where the things where they kind of showing the uh, jeff downs keys and then they move up to yeah the drum hit, which is on a TV being broadcast, it's really, it's quite, yeah, it's, it's quite aged really, it? really well. Yeah. The other one that looks brilliant is Talking Heads, Once in a Lifetime, yeah. um, is on there. And I mean, that's a pretty iconic video. I didn't realize it was Tony Basil who did the choreography on that. And she made her own tunes later as well. But that, that, never ages but a lot of the other stuff as you'd expect kind of like ooh, you know yeah, the not, effects for effects sake and whatever yeah. but yeah those two just really stood out to me as uh, iconic videos really I know yeah did you uh, were you exposed to MTV at an early age because in many countries it didn't actually get I mean we didn't get it in the UK the only time you could get it really was if you were in a hotel or you know some 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 venues had it piped mm-hmm. in because it was it was it was the birth of sort of cable or satellite wasn't it yeah, I think it was the same in, in Israel as well. You could get it in restaurants or yeah, hotels or places like that. Uh, I don't remember when there was like proper cable, maybe 83, 84, something like that. Or maybe like, I don't remember. But yeah, you know, I mean, it was... Um, there, w- there was some good music on it at the time as well. Some like proper pop um and yeah. I think that uh, David Bowie Let's Dance came out, or was it '82 or three? Maybe, scary monsters. The whole, the whole kind of era oh. is a bit of a blur. Um, but um, yeah, it was great. And the Dire Straits video. Did you I ever get to? Did you ever the, get to go to any of the MTV studios in London? Because they were big MTV studios in London, weren't they? Yeah, in Camden. Were, yeah. In Camden. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been there a couple of times, uh, but not on screen, no. uh, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I'm used to being behind the, the behind scenes. Behind the scenes. 
fine. Well, I, I mean, I didn't want to make it too much of a nostalgia, but it's amazing that it's 40 years old, and now that seems... I mean, it is a long time ago. I mean, it is a, well, essentially a lifetime ago, but, yeah, just remember the excitement about it. I'm just trying to think what what else there is. I suppose now, you know, the equivalent of being... Because we don't get Top of the Pops, I guess the equivalent is being kind of featured on somebody's massive YouTube channel or some kind of heavily sponsored... Uh, uh, where you might get... To, be put on MS, you know, one of the big American networks where your videos played or the chat shows. I mean, those are the sort of only real big, big global exposure or big national exposure uh, um, places that you can get to. But this was just thought this was an interesting article. If you go over to CDM Link, there's uh, yeah the Buggles. In fact, I interviewed both Jeff and uh, I didn't did I get a chance I didn't get a chance to talk to uh, um, Trevor, but Trevor. I, I interviewed uh, Jeff. Uh, at uh, Psalm just before it shut uh, where they were rehearsing for some Buggles gigs um, and yeah it's, it's, we've got it somewhere I must dig that out because it was a, it was a fun he wasn't particularly chatty I'll have to say <laughs> <laughs> so it was a little bit light on he was a bit sullen and not really that interesting but I guess when you've done as much PR as he has talking to some whippersnapper with a crap camera is probably not where you thought you'd be many years later but hey ho um, okay, well, I thought I'd throw that one in there. Um, okay, yeah, let's have another one. This is, uh, yes, I think we could just about get this one in. So this is uh, Retro Sounds. This, oh, wait a minute. Which one is it? Ah, there it is. Sorry, wrong video. So this is Retro Sound. He's done a cover of Das Boot, uh, which was a very uh, atmospheric German uh, film about uh, submarine commanders. And I was watching this and I was thinking, oh, there's not enough reverb on it. And I was thinking, oh, this isn't how I remember it. I remember it being more synthy. But this is great. So he's done it on the Poly 6, he's multi-tracked it. Retrosound's got a great channel if you want to check that out. Let me, uh, I, I found this on a good old Matrix synth. You could tell it's only got six voices because none of them are hanging over. <laughs> That's why it needs the reverb. Uh, this was good, but then there's also there's the the original, and I was thinking, yeah, okay, let's so this is all going to be really synthy, and it's really not at all. It's massively stringy. No, that's right. And I didn't, I my in my memory, it wasn't anything like this. Great melody. This is by uh, Klaus Doldinger, who's 81. He was a jazz saxophonist, and he did a, a bunch of other films as well. Anyway, I, 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 I suppose the thing that I brought this up really was, you know, sort of classic themes. Um, this was also, incidentally, 1981, so the same time as MTV started. How bizarre is that? That's just a complete fluke. Um, sometimes the memory of what it was and what it was are very, very different, aren't they? It's yes. quite curious, that. Yeah, Das Boot is, is a classic. I worked with Alphaville uh, as a very, a very young man. Uh, back then, and they had a big song in the 80s called Big in Japan. Um, but I worked post that with them, and we did a, well, I, as off the back of that, did a remix of Das Boot for a band called uh, U, U96, I think. And talking of things that don't age well, they, they, they did a, like a techno, it's called a techno version at the time of, of Das Boot, which was very big across Europe and hasn't aged very well. But I did a mix of that back then, which is when I first heard it, because it's a massive film, um, yeah. particularly in Germany, which is where Alpha were from, and I was working in, in Berlin back then. And yeah, those strings are incredible. But, but I know it well because of that. I knew it was all stringy. Um, but the other the other classical piece of music, which I, I think is just stunning, um, is the uh, Barber's Adagio for strings and and, and William Orbit. 
yes. did a version. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, in a classical was, piece. Classical yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then a, a guy called Ferry Corsten did a remix of it, which I, to me is one of the best kind of dance epic anthems. If anyone wants to see it, have a look on YouTube. Um, uh, there's a what, fest, transmission festival with Ferry Corsten and, and Adagio for Strings. And the whole place is just electric and everyone's just like this in the audience and with everything exploding it's just fabulous and often you can find a little amazing kind of um classical hook like that that just just totally lifts the atmosphere and it's really nice hearing real strings as well coming into a big kind of techno driven very synth oriented thing because there's just a resonance in there that 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 cuts through um but yeah lots of things <laughs> lots of things don't age well as we've just seen with the with the MTV side of things i'm not a massive fan of that poly 6 sound i have to say it sounds yeah I, well, it was brittle, less impressive than, brittle I, to than me. I remembered yeah. yeah i must admit uh, uh, yeah, uh, interesting interest. you you've got poly, you must have a poly 6 and you're a poly 6 fan poly aren't you six. I love the poly six. I love the the fact that it kind of it, it's much uh, it's much more kind of pointy than than the Juno, which is maybe the kind of the equivalent um, being six voice and and all that. Uh, I love the poly six. It's a it's a really really good synth. Um, and yeah, regarding things that that I I think that our memory tricks us because a lot of stuff that I've uh, like what what you described, uh, Nick, is um, in my memory, things are a lot more distinct or more sort of even like stuff like Tangerine Dream and stuff like that, which is electronic. Um, you know, there's a lot of guitars there and a lot of kind of sloppy timing on the synths and things like that uh, that I now notice. Because uh, I remember as a as a kid when I when I used to listen to it, uh, it, it sounded so robotic and so electronic and so mm. kind of and old. Really, yeah, and this well, and like now Gary it's Newman, like the, the Gary Newman it. stuff, isn't it? You listen to that and it's it's yeah. really yeah, human. Yeah. <laughs> Gary yeah. Newman's very human. <laughs> there must be a poem in there. Totally, that's another <laughs> yeah. Um, as well as uh, Led Zeppelin, you know, you think. In my mind, it was like heavy rock with like loads of distortions and stuff. And when you hear it now, it's there's a little bit of overdrive on the guitars, but it's like not so heavy. It sounds much more. Uh, I think that in retrospect, everything sounds more closer to to blues, you know, than uh, eventually it's all based on, on that really tantrum dream and Led Zeppelin, so it's kind of the chord changes and, and the stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting. There was, a, I mean, a, a, interesting facts going back to that William Orbit thing, there was a huge, uh, I think that's one of his biggest selling records of all time, you know, he, and he's done some big stuff, but that was massive. Yeah, top, yeah. It topped, the, you know, many of those pieces on music is, music in a classical style, I think it was, mm. they topped the, the, uh, the classical charts. And everybody got really uptight about it because because it wasn't proper classical music. And at the time, I remember because we were doing mixes as well, and I've just found this. I did a mix, and I, I don't know how this is going to sound, whether the age. So this is, I did a, a remix of uh, Carmen, uh, and this is uh, Habanera, Filippo Giordano. And this we got the multi-track, and it was all orchestra. I wonder if this is the, I'm just going to, oh, I need to unmute it. Let me see what it actually is going to sound like. I wonder how it's going to be. Oh, yeah. 
not nice. too bad. Nice. Man, it was so difficult. Because there's so many... Ah, that's actually not as bad as I thought it was. Yeah, it sounds great. Uh, apart from the mix sounds really tinny, but that's, that's my style. <laughs> but yeah, the, I mean, that whole William Orbit thing was 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 huge. I mean, it was really, you know, it was massive. And I suppose the, I suppose the point of this topic really wasn't the, for me to be able to post something that I did, but it was more the, the the sort of notion that some of these things aren't as you remember. But also other classic kind of big classic electronics because Zimmer sort of pretty much had and and uh, and uh, um, the Nine Inch Nails guy uh, and his the guy he works with they've kind of got that down, haven't they? They pretty much. Mm. But before that, it was uh, it was John Carpenter and you know that kind of thing. Are there any other particular composers for of classic electronica uh, in the in the soundtrack world that that float your boat there, Yoad? Um. Yes, there's one. I forgot his name, but I'll remember. I don't okay. want to. Well, shall I come back up. to you? Let's ask Dom if he's got any other favourites. Um, we could recommend. I love Dead Mouse. I love Dead Mouse's stuff, which is kind of nicked from uh, Bach and Handel, isn't it? I, well, I say nicked. I mean, those chord progressions that he uses tend to be very. In fact, the the guy that made Serum made Thulu, or however you pronounce it, C T H U L U, which Stulum, takes. Yeah. Thulu, uh, which takes classical chord progressions from Bach and Handel and some of those organ works and allows you to kind of slice them up and, and you can produce very authentic dead mouse sounding tracks by doing it because effectively that's what he's been using, which is really interesting. So they're not boombastic and tumultuous tunes, but they borrow very much from that kind of classical tradition. I'm, I'm personally not a fan of the... Uh, the classical version that comes out 50 years after the, the massive dance hit or whatever. Actually, Trevor Horn's just done one, I think, from some of his stuff, and 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 you get the kind of classical Ibiza and that stuff, which really turns me off, and I don't know why. It's like the it's I, the, the inverse it's the inverse of hooked on classics because remember I mean, yeah. back in the disco days when they just put that dreadful beat and got the orchestra to play at 1:20 yeah. p.m. and just did. I'm the... sure it sounds amazing, you know, and I'm sure if I was Trevor, I'd do it because it's rare to get in front of an orchestra these days and be able to yeah. record that stuff and i'm sure it does sound amazing but i would much prefer an absolutely brilliant classical track to be taken into another dimension rather than the other dimension to being dragged back into a classical track do you know what i mean they're, they're, they're classical for a reason um <laughs> but uh but no there's nothing i mean it's all more, slightly more laid back stuff the um oh i'm just trying to think there was some of the, some of the, the the early 80s like japan stuff was very much influenced by um, the piano pieces at the time and things and like Sakamoto, that. And uh, Sakamoto did quite a lot of good stuff. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I can't think of the name of the, the piano composer at the time. Again, That's the name to I me want to remember. Ma Michael Nyman? Ah, no, earlier than that. I'll, I'll dig it out and I'll, I'll check it. But they're very, they're almost like lullaby-ish kind of laid back romantic piano ballady type classical pieces, which have been reused and obviously sound great because there's loads of space in them. So but there's not so much of the... <laughs> Yeah, well, very like that, yeah. <laughs> um, there, there's not so much of the bombastic stuff, though, that I can think of. I mean, it must be great to get in front of a real orchestra. And I can imagine. I've, never, like I've never experienced that. I mean, I, I, I don't think I've ever actually seen an orchestra perform if i'm if i'm remember correctly really? i must oh, i must fix that that does, does seem a bit yeah amiss of me did the name come to you uh, uh Yoad, or is it uh, still yeah sakamoto that's the sakamoto. name i was i wanted i was trying to remember yeah i mean i um 
I worked on a, an album uh, with Bond, which is a classical uh, quartet, female quartet um, crossover. It was really, really uh, successful. And, um, and I composed um, a tune for them, which we recorded at Abbey Road with a Philharmonic, London Philharmonic Orchestra. Oh, wow. And it was, uh, it was an amazing uh, experience. Um, to just just the power, you know, and and I was just doing some some lines. I mean, I did a kind of a classical arrangement for it, uh, but stepping into the room and they they were in there kind of practicing, and so they didn't know they had the score in front of them, and they didn't know the BPM. It was quite fast. It was quite kind of trancey with a big orchestra and uh, and violin, like mad so violin solos and stuff like that. Um, but they played it just kind of mellow and slow. And it was an amazing experience to, to step into the room and to like hearing something that I composed played by 80 people. Wow. You yeah, know, okay. it was, uh, yeah. It's a great, it's a, it's such a powerful, uh, I mean, that was the, the first time that I've done it a few times since, uh, not an instrumental composition as such, but uh, arrangements on, on songs uh, that I produced. Uh, and it, yeah, it's it's a great... Um, I'll bet, yeah, I'll bet. Yeah, it, you know, with, with as much detune and stuff and wavetable and coursing and stuff that you can do to, to a synth, there's something about the 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 you know the grit of the of the bows on the on the strings when it's multiple multiplied by uh, there's there's a very well it's the chaotic nature of all of the everybody's slightly different cadences isn't it that's the that's the sort of beauty of it I suppose. yeah it's such a complex waveform if you want to look at it yeah. like that but the sound the sound is just uh, it's the most stereo that you can have it's the most lush that you can have it's the most you know kind of frequency um rich uh in every sense it's uh, it's beautiful i actually met ryuchi sakamoto once um i when we were first starting out in that i'd probably told this story before starting out in the business and we'd just done uh tom's diner and we went to new york to work with suzanne vega and we were we were in a flat working on these uh on, on a follow-up and uh, we were being, you know, because we were sort of quite hot property, we were being constantly bombarded with, you know, can you meet so-and-so, you meet so-and-so. And, -so. and uh, Sakamoto was in town in New York and he he had a really L.A. sort of... Uh, kind of you know car salesman kind of agent in the and and he would would not leave us alone and uh i was really nervous and frail at that time i wasn't really up to up, up to kind of big power meetings and my partner had to go out to dinner with ryuchi sakamoto and he knows nothing about music and sakamoto wanted to talk a little bit about you know sounds that we'd got which was you know absolutely i wish i'd gone i was a fool but and suzanne was saying oh for god's sake don't bring them back here you know we're not ready so she was like in her joggers and just kind of you know cooking spaghetti and stuff and uh, my business my, my partner neil he he found it so traumatic that the only thing he could do is go yeah come back and they came back to suzanne's flat she was absolutely <laughs> livid but he gave us all these little gifts and i've still got it i've got this box and it was uh it was the theme of the sheltering sky at the time it was a beautiful theme very stringy and it was a, a 
a, 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 a like a box set with all sorts of little rice and paper and stuff. It was a very beautiful thing. Anyway, I met him and we said hello, and it was the mo one of the most excruciatingly awkward social situations <laughs> I've ever been in. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's the end of the story. Um, okay, I think it's time we'll 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 break that up with uh, a word from our friends over at Isotope. Isotope Producers Club is a one of a kind membership for producers ready to take their tracks to the next level. Once you join, you'll gain access to powerhouse Isotope plugins and a curated selection of tools from our partners, such as Melodyne from Celimony. Plus, as long as you're a member, you'll get every future update to the Isotope plugins in your membership for no extra cost. We'll also regularly serve you new curated content like exclusive inspiration-sparking sample packs and preset packs and industry-leading training ranging from our own tutorials to vocal production lessons from the world-renowned Berkeley Online, taught by Grammy-winning producer and engineer, Prince Charles Alexander. With new content being added every month full of valuable production techniques, tips and tricks, and solutions to common production problems, becoming a member is an investment in your career that grows as you and your career do. For more information on Isotope Producers Club, head to isotope.com. Yeah, and of course, if you're interested in saving money, you can also go over to isotope.com forward slash Sonic Talk and uh, use the code Sonic10 at checkout, uh, where you can save 10% on all their bundles and software and whatnot. You can't do it on the uh, hardware products or on the subscriptions, but uh, if you want to do that, uh, we thank them very much for uh, supporting the show. Hey, it's only Cooker in the YouTube chat. Nice to see you, mate. I haven't seen him for ages. Maybe we'll get to see him in person in, in uh, Superbooth one day. Um, because we're planning on going, we're booking, trying to thread our way through the booking of hotels and flights that are all refundable in case we can't go. <laughs> but um, nice to see you anyway. So, um, yeah, I, I think, um, have I think we got any more topics? I'm just trying to remember. Oh, yeah, but there was this sort of, I, I was rather jokingly saying we sort of need a Behringer section because there are so many <laughs> uh, stories this week uh, that seem to be coming up. There's uh, a bunch of them. Uh, Behringer News. So the first bit of Behringer News was uh, Tom Oberheim gets his uh, name back. Uh, Obviously, there was an awful mess where he ended up with only the rights in America, but then uh, Music Tribe owned it in other countries. They've actually now given it back to him. Um, and I don't know if it was necessarily under legal pressure. Uh, actually, and I'm just trying to see what it says. Uh, Tom Oberheim says, thanks to Uli and the team at Music Tribe and Behringer, uh, I own the worldwide rights to his name for the first time in 1985, since 1985, which is great. Uh, Uli, a statement from Behringer. Tom Oberman is a, a pioneer of analogue synthesizer and our whole industry owes him a debt of gratitude for his innovations. When we learned that Tom was still interested in making his own products with his original name, we knew the right thing to do was transfer it all, all of our Oberheim registrations back to him, which is... It sounds lovely, isn't it? It's a slightly different story to the way I remember it. But nonetheless, it's good news. Uh, and, you know, great to see, you know, as Tom is in his, well, is, is getting towards his dotage, even though he's still making products, it's nice to see that fabulous logo. I think, actually, um, uh, oh, who's the name of the, uh, oh, I've forgotten his name. Alessandro Cortini's got a tattoo of that on his, uh, on his wrist, which I think is very cool. But that's kind of, I mean, not a, good, a good news story, something nice for the summer. Yeah. Right? Yeah, uh, and they're all friends, and it's all good, and I don't care about what anyone thinks, whether it's positive or negative, or they, they're lying or whatever. It's good news. It's a good thing, and I really hope good. some new stuff does come out as well. 
um, and it's uh, yeah, it's really really good news. So that's that's an excellent situation, and uh, and I think there's other similar stories, isn't there? That just uh, come here. Is it the Auratone? There is thing, the Auratone. There's uh, also the Auratone. Uh, let's do. We'll we'll, we'll, stu- we'll do it's the like copy- Christmas. We'll do it's the copyright Christmas ones first, shall we? Do the trademark <laughs> yeah, st- section first. Uh, so yeah, I, actually, no, I that's post, really good. let me post the link to this in the chat so people can read that for themselves over on CDM. And then uh, the next one is yeah, Auratone. Uh, it's a terrible story, really. This is uh, the, the family, the, the guy in charge, uh, Jack Wilson. You know, he was he he, he passed away in two thousand and five, age eighty four, and he basically. Um, sort of forgot to renew the, the trademark and uh, Music Tribe sort of n- nabbed it and uh, and started making products. But now it's been ruled that the family get their trademark back. At least it, it, it sort of puts it back in the situation where they they get it back in America and other places. And Auratone, a classic. I mean, I don't know, Auratones, do, do you, they, they were in every studio. Are they, are they, do they still have they, a place in yours? Or do you have something else yeah, that they, you use now? Um, I used to use the Anastans back in the day and Oratones, of course. I hated them, uh, but they are very true and you can always get like the essence of the song. And if you get it right on them and everything that everyone says, all the things that everyone says. Um, these days, it's even Anastans are not really adequate for, for, for mixing uh, without a sub, which makes them a totally different beast uh i used to know them very very well um and i did a lot of stuff on them um checking it with the oratones on the oratones was always disappointing kind of, uh, <laughs> you know you never wanted to do it because it's no matter what you do even the, if even if the mix sounds great it's not very pleasant to listen to it you know what i mean it's it's like um uh but you can get like to do the vocal your vocal rides and guitar solo levels and stuff like that they're great because what you get is what you get and um i I used to like uh listening through the um ampex um oh the speaker on the table speakers yeah yeah I really that that was kind of beefy and punchy. I have on the on the studio here. I have a speaker too, but I don't really like the way it sounds because it's it's on the side, so it's in the rack. But the the Ampex had the, a speaker right there. Um, so yeah, shitbox is something that is is quite important, um, I guess. Um, uh, well, I suppose I should but, point out if people don't know, Auratones basically cornered the market on crappy speakers to check your mix on so literally it's that so it's got no tweeter it's a full range uh, allegedly it's not it's a it's a strict bandwidth limited speaker a little crappy box that you could check your mixes on that every studio used to have as a sort of okay we'll we'll just make sure that the vocal isn't 20 db too loud or whatever it is but it it's a very difficult i mean if you were to judge a mix on it and make mix decisions it's very difficult to use yeah but, but try to imagine checking like a hip-hop mix on it or something like that or something <laughs> no, with an eight no base uh, it's uh yeah it's just not uh it's one stage above your phone i guess but just. it's it it, it, it they, they didn't sound as good as the as the speakers on the 13 inch uh, macbook pro these are amazing yeah. these are absolutely they're so good from from such a small kind of 
Well, actually, um, you should try. You should try. I've got the 24-inch iMac here, which the speakers on that are astonishing. I mean, there's I six bet. in there, and it literally the thing. I was talking about this before show. It's like a centimeter thick, and when you press the when you press the button to start the thing up, it just sort of goes, boom, and it sort of sounds like <laughs> it sounds bigger. Than, and I've got a a a, a Mac a Mactopus down here, and that doesn't sound as big. You know, the the, the iMac sounds bigger. It's Crazy, crazy. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, do you have? Do you have any? Uh, I have two Auritones here. Yeah. Oh, actually. do I, you? I, still. So hang on. I've got a. Let me just see. There you go. Oh, bless there's you. My, uh, there you are. And there's one over the other, over the other side as well, over here, because I have two. Um, and the I don't know. I just got used to them. Really. Um, they they originally were kind of justified because of AM radio. So people were trying to do mixing for AM radio before FM came about, and it was supposedly, it sounds yes, like an AM true. radio. And they, they probably do, to be honest. They have a single speaker inside, so they're literally sourced from one, whereas if you've got near fields with tweeters and woofers, sometimes it can sound a bit weird because the treble comes from outside, you know, outside the range of the centre. And they sound awful, but what I what I find them really good for, and, and, and Yoad touched on it, is is vocal levels. So I often just get one and sit it in the middle and put it in mixing mono and turn it right down really quietly. And then I'll just put the vocal levels right. Yeah, it's absolutely pointless if you want to do bass I and mean, get the mix sounding good on everything else. And then I'm and then just touch it up like that for pop on on vocal levels, definitely. And I find them very um, unfatiguing as well. So if I'm just fiddling around doing stuff where I don't really care about the sonic quality, I might go through some sounds or just fiddling about stuff. I might just put them on quietly and they, they're just there and I'm just kind of used to them. But yeah, I think it's probably uh, more of a reminiscence thing, but they, I, I do find a use for them. I am still looking for a decent boombox though, which I just want to um, just wire up as a set of monitoring speakers. And I do exactly what Yoad does. I, I just listen on a phone. I never route it to my phone now because that's what most of everyone else is going to be listening to. But the history in me says, you know, there's a, there's a value for it. And to be honest, I could just get away with one. If I just had one in the middle and it wasn't in the way of the monitors and stuff, I would just use that just to purely judge levels and stuff and just to go back to this reason the, the, the brand name is back with the family which is brilliant and yeah. i was having this chat actually with ty and a couple of other people on facebook about you know, why would you need an oratone and you probably wouldn't but it's also a brand they might want to put something else out you know that that oratone brand is still very strong and if it's, they put out it's difficult though isn't it where your brand is yeah. known for really crap speakers <laughs> <laughs> it's like what, yeah, where can you go in the music industry surely <laughs> <laughs> i mean t-shirts t-shirts is the yes. obvious thing i'd be putting out if i was oratone and and, and merch but um yeah, yeah they, they honestly they were i'm pretty sure it was the am radio and am radio does sound I, I hesitate to say it sounds bad but it sounds different and they do a good impression of it if you're mixing for radio luxembourg or yeah. 206 who is do you know what i mean <laughs> exactly real then, audio that's what you would yeah, put maybe. it on yeah <laughs> quite quite possibly yeah <laughs> the codex stuff i mean i suppose actually that's an interesting point do you do you have because some people I know that uh, Fraunhofer did some plugins for DAWs which would so you could monitor through the codec so you would hear what it yeah. ended up sound like an MP3 rather than have to bounce it and then play it back. Do you use any of that stuff, either of you guys? Um, I don't know. I don't use. I don't use. But I would. I would say that in order. Um, just uh, regarding to what Dom says about uh, bouncing stuff and listening on the phone, uh, you know you can use Listen To by Audio Movers. Yes. Yeah. 
and then you can stream it straight to your to your phone and and other people whoever has the whoever you send the link to and uh, I use that a lot that's an interesting idea I mean I suppose in many ways it's sort of a similar it's like a kind of a, a method that perhaps it wasn't intended for but actually could because if you can stream it to devices which have got specific kinds of speakers in then yeah just check it's like checking it on different monitors yeah good good idea yeah listen to is great actually i know you had something to do with the inception of that so so yeah it's very very useful yeah. uh for those who don't know listen to uh, i think it's listen.2 isn't it let me just uh let me just put i think it's listen listen the listen.2 what it does is it allows uh, I'll spell it right actually it allows you to uh, put a plug in across a bus or the monitor out and then that gets streamed and then you give somebody else a URL and they listen to that in their browser and you can have uncompressed you can have very low latency so it's great for mix I know tricky uses it for uh, uh, unattended mixing and all sorts of uh, features it's a very useful thing do you still do you use it for unattended mixes I mean is that something that you'd use it for um, I try not to because uh the um it, it's very different i i i'm you know i've been mixing remotely for years even before covid uh so i've been doing that for like 10 or more years um and there's not it, it's not the same as having someone in the room so sure. with mixing remotely i find it best to send the file and to get written comments because then I can sit obviously you can speak with the, with the producer where you can talk to the, the people on the phone or Skype but to work like that I really don't like it um, because it's really hard unless you all wear headphones so if you have the speakers on and you want to to talk then you have to have your mic on and then they can hear the the bleed right. from your speakers and you hear the bleed because they're blasting it in their studio and they're like really excited so you have to mute unmute and and all that so so that's that's a little bit um off-putting uh, yeah, i must I much rather that. get the comments in writing because then i can sit with them in them front up. of me and just tweak the mix well, the other thing about that is, is it forces the client to think about what they're rather than just blur out something that, that mm -hmm. maybe because their head was turned or whatever, they think about it and, and it, 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 it separates it from the subconscious kind of, I think this, you actually go, yeah, do I think this? And then you write it down. I mean, we're the same with, uh, with video notes, the thing that we use with Vimeo, I upload a video to uh, either clients or if I've done a review and I want it fact checked. I'll send it to the client, just go, look, can you, you know, here's Vimeo and it, you could just click here and go, that fact is wrong. And I got a time code reference, but then the, yeah. then it's thought about it, and then I print it out and I've got a list of things to fix rather than done verbally. It's much harder because you get all the, all the actual uh, references. It makes a lot and, of sense. And the other, the other thing I recommend um, people I've worked with um, to do is to, to give it a day. I mean, sometimes the deadlines don't allow for, for that, but, uh, but to give, to give it a day because, um, the comments you may have in the first during the first listen could be um you know some of them could be not really re relevant after you had a day to live with it and you can think actually that's that wasn't on my original demo or, or my original my rough mix it wasn't just like that or whatever the guitar sound or this but actually maybe it works better with the whole song and and things like that so so it's it's good to give it to give it some time 
um, and then and then, like you said, it forces you to to really condense what you want to say into yeah. a readable kind of uh, message. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there is actually another uh, uh, Behringer story, uh, which we'll just pop here, which is the Behringer Pro 16 uh, synthesizer. This is a, yet another preview of look what we're making. Uh, it's not going to be ready for ages, but here it is. So they're making a 16 voice version of the Prophet 5, uh, which is, uh, they say it's going to have uh, original circuitries for all three versions. They had many features, 16 voices, multi-timbrality LCD display, and presumably an updated processor. They started about five years ago, and it's grown into a, a powerful synth so this is going to be coming soon i mean that they're, they're making kind of everything i mean it's you know the pot that pretty much soon any synth you want is going to be there but this is more news and that they seem to be releasing kind of pictures of production pictures of circuit boards and stuff so this is definitely happening i mean it's just a little bit with obviously with dave smith it's like here you go tom here's your stuff back by the way dave we're just <laughs> going to have uh, help ourselves to that yeah it's, it's, a, it's a strange it's a strange message it's a i would just wave decipher. a flag yeah, I mean, obviously, the business is business, and I, I just, I just think the software cloners get a really easy ride, mm. and uh, you know, Fair I enough. really do. There's, there's no profit. You know, if you got to build something out of bits and distribute it, the markup is much lower than than making it in software. So I think everyone should be tarred with the same brush. But when it comes to business practices, like um, you know. Uh, messing up people's lives with patents and stuff even though it's business and it wasn't renewed i think it's a very good thing that they've got them back so you know this is this is good Absolutely. Um, but yeah i would i would just wave a flag for some of the wave a flag point the flag at some of the software manufacturers who've been doing this for years and seem to get you know no bad press about it at all to be well honest. no that's absolutely a fair point i think I, I i suppose the thing you know and i've said this all along it's like well i'd just really like to see a Behringer synth, you know, a synth that is, mm. you know, like the DeepMind was. It was like this Neutron. is it's sort of, you know, it's 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 based on the Inspired concept of a Juno. Inspired, but it wasn't nothing like a Juno. Yeah. But it had so much yeah. more. Yeah. I just like to see some yeah. more of that stuff because that's totally that's hurt. sort of. I suppose that's more risky because you're not using a, an already sort of perceived value. You've got to persuade everybody that it's good, and I don't see why they wouldn't be able to. D did you say that? Because you didn't you say you had a DeepMind and you were. Uh, please with it. I come. To I it. love the DeepMind. Yeah, it's I great, love that it? synth. It's really, really good. And you know, I have a lot of old synths, and the idea of having everything, but new and working and perfect and kind of reliable is is very tempting. Um, because all those, you know, Prophet Five to have it with sixteen voices. Um, it's it's very tempting um but also i wonder if uh, anyone has tattooed the behringer logo <laughs> uh, yeah let me show you hang on a minute. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm sure uh, that will happen i i don't see why i wouldn't i mean uh, the thing about the behringer logo and this is very flippant of me i think i did i did a load of uh, if you if you give it a set of legs and put an eye on it it looks like a really massive nose that reminded me of these um <laughs> There was there was there was a character. It was in the Pink Panther cartoon version. There was a sort of if you put a little hat on it, it just it, 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 you can make it like a walking <laughs> nose. Uh, which I I did set, when we were doing some work with Berenger, I did send one off to my line manager to say, what do you think? I've got some ideas for the new logo, but it didn't uh, didn't pass muster. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Um, well, that's sort of good the news. I mean, poly, is, um, nothing wrong with polysynths. Uh, um, although neutron, I was just going to yeah, say that the neutron is isn't based on anything, is it? Because that's no, no, that's that's like monster. That's yeah. that oh, really a great, like that one. Yeah, great, yeah. great synthesizer. Well, uh, a yeah. couple more like that, you know, because it's not 
it just sounds great. I think it's just got those really good oscillators in there, you know, and nothing particularly clever about it. But uh, yeah, really, really sounds like a monster. So yeah, more of those. They must yeah. have it in them to, to produce some of their own stuff, surely. Oh yeah, I mean that's got, inevitably will be coming as well. I suppose once you build up the, uh, the 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 capabilities, you can just turn the focus of those engineering teams to to kind of more other products. I mean, I hope that's what's going to happen. And that would be you know innovation in that because I mean the the innovation seems to be coming in how to do it at the most cost-effective way so that you can bring the, the mm. price down to the punters, which is not a bad thing, but, I mean, it would be nice to see some engineering innovation rather than trying to figure out how other people did it for more expensive, doing it cheaper, but to do something completely different. I mean, they make a lot of... Uh, uh, VCO, VCA chips, and um, filter chips now. Uh, Music Tribe or Behringer owns those, and a lot of uh, smaller manufacturers are using all of that stuff in their own gear. Yeah. It's, big, it's, a big, yeah. it's a big enabler, so you're seeing this innovation coming coming there. In fact, the Neutron has got 3340 chips in it, the ones that they, the version right. that they make. And the, I don't know how the hell they get them to sound so good, because... No, it's I brilliant, mean, isn't it? Those it's oscillators don't amazing. sound like the oscillators in the Jupiters or in the other things that are 3340. They are massive and really beefy, so, you know, well, very, very nice. Anyway, um, I suppose that's a good way to end, isn't it? That feels like an uplifting topic uh, that we got another a 16 voice poly. I mean, that is a challenge, isn't it? I mean, that's one of the things, isn't it? What people always say, isn't it? Why don't you just make a poly synth? And it's like, because they're really, really hard to make. I suppose that's one thing that, to be fair, that the engineers will be doing is figuring out how to do it so that it works because it's not easy to make all of those VCOs in tune at all and stay in tune and calibrated it's difficult and also the headroom i think combining those doesn't it the moog one that had some issues you know that literally it was kind of distorting internally when everything was turned up I, I'm, I'm guessing this but i remember there were some issues which were fixed so literally taking the output of the loudest possible settings of all those oscillators mixing them together and you know that that's a, that's a high level signal and still being able to produce lower level signals without loads of hiss and and yeah. signals and noise coming mm -hmm. in it is a real challenge you know and it's twice as challenging yeah. as it was with an eight voice so it's it's a it's a big deal yeah the, even the super jupiter um i have the rev4 and it really distorts itself uh, when mm. you when you play certain patches or do certain things, so he can't handle its own, you know, can't handle its itself. Oh, that's a, I've got a few titles coming up. It can't handle itself. The Jupiter can't handle it. What's it? What was the model <laughs> number? I'm I'm going to write that one down. MKS80. MKS80 can't handle itself. Can't handle. I, I think that uh, handle itself. I've also got uh, other topics, uh, speed of transmission and Gary Newman is very human is another uh, possible oh, title. <laughs> I quite like that. It's got alliteration. Gary yeah. Newman is very human could be the one. Uh, anyway. Um, we did a, we did a jingle for Kent. Oh, I've, done, I've got it actually. Kent Spong, can you tell me what's wrong? We did a, a thing. So I would just hold up things like, so... So Kent, can you just tell me what's 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 wrong with this? You know, and he'd go, "That's a board from a JX8P," and I'd be like, "What?" So the the jingle was Kent Spong. Can you tell me what's wrong? <laughs> Excellent. You are you are basically working towards a local radio station. I think hospital you, radio gig. Hospital yeah, radio me. calls. <laughs> I bring my own jingles and everything. Aha. <laughs> 
folks. It's been great fun as ever. Thank you very much uh, for joining us and thank you to all of our chatties as ever. We are we have plans with chat. I'm working on behind the scenes with Wagyu. I want to say thank you to him for the effort he's putting in. But uh, those in the IRC uh, and also in Discord and also in YouTube, we've now we're, we're kind of cross spamming the uh, the the uh, um, the Discord bot is uh, restream bot is posting everything everywhere. But I'm trying to figure out ways that we can we can kind of use that to advantage, like things like maybe questions for a panellist, you know, so we might have a 10-minute section where there's two questions and they have to be come in somewhere and listed and filtered and whatnot. So we're working on all that stuff. We've got we've got plans, but remember, there's no show next week, no live show next week. Well, we will maybe have uh, an interview ready to go, a video at least, um, but uh, we'll see how that goes. I'm filming that tomorrow. But, Yoad, thank you very much for joining us. Are you back straight into Mixed World or are you working, uh, are you measuring angles between speakers today? I'm doing that between uh, the time that I sent uh, the, the, the emails to the producers and the labels and uh, the time that I get the comments. Uh, right. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, multitasking. Multitasking, yeah. Managing your time well. Well, I'm glad to hear that, yeah. I'd lovely to have you as ever. Uh, welcome anytime. And also, Mr. Dominic Hawken, okay, Mr. Wiggly, uh, do check him out on YouTube for Sunday streams and more stuff. Thanks for joining us, Dom. Oh, you're muted. Oh, no, I made it all the way through. I say thank you very much indeed. It's been really good fun. Thanks a lot. You're more than welcome. And I think, uh, oh, yes, I think. I think Wagyu just put a super sticker up. Thanks, mate. Oh, That's very Wagyu's kind. a star. He is. He's, he's, star. he's already helping enough. It's very kind of him. But, uh, yeah, thank you. That's going to go towards the one day, the drinks. In fact, maybe if I see you, Yoad, on uh, the weekend, I could spend some of the drinks fund uh, on uh, on a pint at the Eagle for you, uh, which is your local booze. That would booze. be nice. I'll, I'll, I'll mail you... Pray, uh, privately about that anyway so uh, that's it for this week thank you very much everybody for watching thanks to all of our live listeners don't forget uh, if you like what you see subscribe to the channel uh, we've got loads more stuff coming up including I've got the M1 uh, Yuhi plugins which will come up at some point in the future a bunch of other things too but now we'll say goodbye and hopefully uh, you'll be able to see all of our fabulous uh, Patreon supporters uh, being name checked on the way out that's it for this week we'll see you next time take care everybody bye bye now see you later